Hello and welcome to what is, without doubt, the foodiest edition of Out to Lunch ever. If listening to this show usually makes you hungry, well, brace yourselves because this one is full on. My guest is a chef with both Welsh and Italian heritage who cut her teeth with Gordon Ramsay. She first appeared on TV as a team leader on Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen and has appeared more recently on Great British Menu, Best Home Cook and Saturday Kitchen. She's chef patron of four restaurants, including the Italian-accented Murano in Mayfair and has a bunch of cookbooks to her name. Today, we eat and talk in the French house in Soho, where her husband, Neil Borthwick, is the chef. It's my old mate and brilliant all-round human being, Angela Hartnett. And I remember taking some friends with me. And they turned around and they said, do you work at the Aubergine? I said, yeah. They said, oh, we hear it's like Vietnam. <laughs> So, Angela, normally the way out to lunch starts is I'm out on the pavement and I explain which restaurant I brought the lucky guest to. <laughs> but there's no point doing that. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, Angela Hartnett, yeah. to explain where we are. OK, I will. Thank you, Joe. Sorry to upset the apple cart. No, 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 it's good, it's good. We like mixing it up. Change it up. So we're sitting in Soho in Dean Street in the French house. And I think for anyone who's lived in London for more than 15 years or even less, to be honest, knows that the French house is an iconic institution. It's a pub that's been here for nearly, I think, about 80 years. Yes, the French house, which anybody who's heard the Suggs episode, which mm. is only a couple back, will know is where he drinks very regularly. He used to drink here with his old mum on April the 1st, would yeah. pull the whole pint, pint of gin and tonic. So, yeah. you know, this, this place is becoming a recurring theme <laughs> in Out to Lunch. <laughs> Pictures on the wall, Maggie Hamblings, yeah. George Melly up there. It's a hell of a room. It is. It's brilliant, actually. And lots of um, uh, bacon is here. He used to drink here a lot. And there it is. Francis Bacon, rather. Yeah. Anybody who's listening to Out to Lunch thinks we're talking about the ingredient. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Francis <laughs> Bacon, yeah. Um, and my husband, Neil, is a chef here. And he's had some amazing chefs come through here. Fergus Henderson started. Margot was here. Jeremy Lee. Then we had Florence Knight. And now it's Neil Borswick. So I'm glad, because I don't think you've been, have you? I haven't been since Neil's wandering past. And yeah. this is actually the day you're meant to be closed, isn't it, Neil? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you do. It's a pleasure. <laughs> uh, you, you say the right things. And there's a plate of Sonero remoulade. Uh, is that pork riette or duck? Duck riette. And then some charcuterie. So, yeah, so I'm here to salami from the Basque country. Uh, Emilia Romagna. Brilliant. Fantastic. And you're just going to bring it down and tell us what it is that it's it happens. Food, yeah. And obviously we are in the middle of Soho, so if you can hear drilling, it's because... They're drilling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Many years ago, Angela Hartnett. We're not I'm, that old. We are that old. A couple, couple of years ago, oh, yeah. <laughs> I worked in your kitchen for a day. Oh, my God, yes, of course. I remember now. It was at the Connor. I was doing yeah. research for a novel mm. set in a restaurant kitchen. Yeah. How was I? Do you You're remember? You're very good. You're amazing. <laughs> a crawler. But actually, no, given that I had a few Chris's, I'd had you... And I had oh bloody hell, Giles at one stage, and Giles ended up sleeping on the basically you know the couch or the chef's table. He was on the bonquet because he couldn't cope with it. He couldn't cope with the monotony of doing the same thing. You gave me three crates, yeah, of Girol to turn. Yeah, there you go. Kitchens, you know, they're great fun and they're amazing, but they can be monotonous because you are doing the same thing for an hour and a bit. I remember a very calm, quiet kitchen. Yeah. I think people are surprised. Everyone wants to see the Gordon-esque type kitchen, but actually most kitchens, especially these days, are calm, quiet, music playing in the background, everyone actually enjoying it, having a great time, as it should be. 
Now I'm going to come back to that because yeah. I'm going to go a little bit further back. Oh, crikey. We first met late 2001 for a piece that came out in, in 2002, so almost exactly 20 years ago, yeah. in which, sage-like, I picked seven kitchen stars of the future. Yes. Didn't do a bad job looking back, actually. Yeah. It was Marcus Waring, yeah. Jason Atherton, John Campbell, who's at the Vineyard. Oh, gosh, yeah. Simon Gwella, um, who yeah. had a place called Gwella's and, and then That's took right. over the box tree. And you. Yeah. At that point, I think you were head chef of Vare in Dubai for yeah. Gordon. And, and I was coming back to do the Connaught opening. I know it's hard to cast back. You'd have been, we're, we're of an age, so I can work <laughs> it out. You'd have been early 30s, yeah, I think, at yeah, that point. Yeah. What did you think your career was going to be? Did you have a picture in your head of what it would no, be? No, God, no. I mean, even when I started working for Gordon back in the days, the aubergine, I never thought that food would become what it's become. It's on television, films are made of it. And I'd never thought I'd end up with three or four restaurants and and that sort of restaurateur more than chef, I suppose, some days now. I know you spent a year in, was it Torino? Uh, uh, yeah, Turin, yeah. Had you built your kind of imagination on that country in model? Maybe, no, I sort of bought, built it on um, the family because they had fish and chip shops. They were well, the your, Italian, your grandparents, yeah, yeah. that was. They, had, they were Italian immigrants, they'd gone to Wales, then all of them moved up to London. So three brothers had a fish and chip shop in Dagenham, Barking and Beckendry. And I was a teenager and I would see them go, oh, we're shutting for the whole of August. Off they'd all go to Italy for six weeks. I thought, oh, that's not a bad thing. But I didn't want to do fish and chips. I wanted to just have a small little restaurant. The idea probably came more from when I was at Cambridge Poly. And I worked in a lovely little pub called The Free Press. And this woman, Debbie, and her husband, Chris, she did great food. And that day was a big deal. And that was, in Cambridge, massive. And then at the same time, the Eagle was coming up in London as, you know, the first sort of gastro place. I worked in the Blue Boar and I worked in the Free Press. I worked in two. And I basically worked in the kitchen. And I was good. You know, if you think back, anyone who was working in the kitchen then probably had was okay, but didn't really care about it and just followed the instructions. Whereas I actually was quite good and I cared and I wanted to make it. And I had my cookery books, probably my Delia's, all the, all the ones from my mum. I basically followed my mum's cookery books. We should say your, yes. your dog Betty is here. If she starts, I'm going to create, I'm going to give her a hard time. What were the books that, you, that we, were your Bibles? Delia, you've already Delia, said. Delia, Katie Stewart. You know, she's a farmhouse cookbook. Probably Sophie Grigson, I think, back in the day. And actually, the other one I think was a great one to go to then was Floyd. I remember having the Floyd cookbook, his fish cookery book. So you're there in the free press. Yeah. And you're doing a degree. Yeah. Are you suddenly very clear that that's what you want to do? Mm. And then I've always learned on the job. It was only when after the free press, after sort of the blue board, basically leaving college with a stinking amount of debt, I got a job in then Midsummer House. At the time, it was under a guy called Hans Schweitzer. And what was it? Was it quite classical high-end yeah, French? Yeah, classic high-end French. And I sort of started as a waiter because I thought, oh, I'll do a bit of waitressing, see. And then I talked my way into the kitchen and said, Hans, I really want to learn how to cook. And I was green. And I would go, right, how do I do this? Or, you know, show me and I want to learn. And I think that's the best way of learning is to just be, never go in. I learned that early days with Gordon. Never go in and go, well, this is how I do it. This is how I've learned it. You're working for this chef learn their way so gordon ramsay uh aubergine mm. which was uh, firstly he had worked as part of the brigade at harvey's which yes. was marco pierre white's yeah. breakthrough restaurant yeah it? 
If anybody is, you know, interested in this sort of restaurant family tree stuff, get a <laughs> get a copy of, of White Heat. Oh, yeah. The book true. by Bob Carlos Clark photographed yeah. extraordinary number of people. And Gordon there looking furrow-browed. <laughs> and he must have done a couple of other things before he then opens aubergine yeah. for A to Z restaurants. Yeah which was a very big player. Yeah, I got the job and, you know, the rest, I suppose, is history. I went on to work for him for 17 years. I loved the aubergine. It was exciting. It was mental. It was manic, but it was exciting. And Gordon was there every day. He was cooking along with us, which these days, you know, there's so many great chefs out there, but they're not in their kitchens cooking with their team. Gordon was there every day. It was a very insular restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, everybody thought it was grand and big and wide, but actually it was about... Six restaurants all fighting with each other yeah, in a yeah, sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, my gosh. What have you brought us, Neil? So you can not come to the French house and have a few oysters. Thanks, Neil. Oh, lovely. The Irish oysters at the French house. Oh, wow. Just the classic. You know, you know, next sauce. 1994. Mm. What is it like in there? Quite early, it got its first start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was nuts. Sometimes when I tell stories about it, I laugh and people look at me like I'm slightly mad because they sort of think, how could you work in a mad place like that? I said, because of what were the hours? hours? We'd start at 7 in the morning and we'd probably finish around 11, 30, 12 at night. So every single one was, as they like to say in the trade, a Barney rubble, a double. <laughs> yeah, a split, yeah, exactly. A, a, was it a split shift? Was there a split? There was about a 15-minute, half-hour break, you know, to have staff food and basically see the air, see sort of... We're like, we're like, um, what's 16 <laughs> hour day. Yeah. No, they were mad. They were mad. I went down to dress sizes. So yeah, it was manic. I mean, my first day I started at eight o'clock. Gordon said arrive at eight. So I go in, I do my day. Then as I left that night, Marcus goes, you know, we start at seven. I went, oh, okay. You just did it. Where it worked for me and Gordon is I was always myself. I hadn't come from that mad, very French, rigorous hierarchy. If you don't talk to your chef, you, you know, it's like, yes, chef, no, chef, three back, you know, whereas I would chat to Gordon as if Gordon was my older brother, you know, and I remember him coming in. And Gordon in. had been at, was he was um, Guy Savoie? He went to Guy Savoie. In, in Paris, yeah, he was which in was Paris. about as regimented a kitchen. And Robichon, who was right. even worse, you know, who was really regimented. And Gordon would come in on a Monday and go, how's your weekend? And I'd look at him and go, what weekend? We had Sunday off. That wasn't a weekend. And he'd look at me and just start laughing. He goes, you know, but he liked me because I was... You know, I chatted and was honest and very direct and, yeah, you know, it worked. There was a series roughly around that point. I think actually he'd got the second star yeah. and he was aiming at the third. Yeah. Which in retrospect, I'm going to be bold to say, I don't think did the industry any favours. Boiling point. No. Yeah. No, sure. Because it was him yeah. shouting and effing yeah. and blinding his mm. way through the kitchen. Was yeah. it really like that in those kitchens? It was, yeah, to a certain day. Not all the time, every single minute of the time, but... But the thing is with that, and I think Gordon and I have chatted about it afterwards, I said you'd go into some sort of mad, not trance, but you'd be so, uh, you didn't realise. I remember, do you, I said, do you remember saying this? He goes, I never said that. I said, you did. I said, but you just don't. And then he'd switch like that. Um, but one thing he always did, so I'd obviously have really shit services. Every night he'd call you and go, right, what went wrong? Talk you through it why you did it wrong, what you need to do to improve. So you'd be in this tiny little office and he'd go, right, what did you do, Dick? Because he always called me Dizzy Lizzy. Go, what did you do, Dizzy, today? <laughs> oh, God. And he goes, this is what you need to do to get better. This is what you need to do to improve. So there was always that, even though you had been screamed at, you always did have that, you know, chat you through it and try and improve and make you better. You have always been very loyal to him. Yeah. And you got him as a mate and a mentor mm. and he set you up in Mirage. Yeah, yeah. Um, my row with him recently... <laughs> 
I'll be honest. It was. I, I came home. I'll be absolutely honest. Yeah. So no, I came home hot. from. I came home from dinner. I was a bit sloshed. I come back. I turn on the show oh, Future God. Food Stars. It is 2022, and Gordon is still shouting at yeah. people on television and trying to make them cry. Mm, mm. And it just seems and move weird. on. Yeah. It's time to move on. So I tweeted about it, and 16,000, 17,000 people liked the tweet, and Gordon <laughs> did. Um, there was at that time a kind of parody, wasn't there, mm. of what kitchens were like that was shown on Boiling Point. Mm. Clattering pans, shouting, ego, mm. male. Mm. I remember once I did a big piece about why aren't there more women in yeah. kitchens, and I interviewed you, and you said, because they've got more sense. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yeah, probably. There'll always be a bit of tension, I think, in kitchens in the sense that there's a sense of urgency. And they, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's that adrenaline thing and I can snap and I can be like... <laughs> but I think you, you don't have to be nasty and you don't have to be a bully, that's for sure. Ever said that to Gordon? Probably, <laughs> I have actually. Yeah, I think we have had frank conversations about things like that. And even he knows it's not... You know, life's not like that anymore, for God's sake. It's not It's not worth it, you know. Um, and also, I've never, you know, I, if, I have, if I've had times when I've had a go at someone or anything, I come away feeling as stressed as they do, and that's not good for me. So why would you do it to other people, you know? Yeah, it's not mm. helpful, is it? No, it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, I look at now, what was the one that's just come out? Again, was it called Boiling Point? Again, with Stephen Graham. Yes, it's a, it's a, that's a feature film. Feature and We shot yeah. it in, apparently in one shot. Yeah. It's very, very good. I have issues with yeah. it, but it's very, very good. Well, I do. I mean, I, I think Stephen Graham's brilliant in it. And again, I have issues because I'd like to think we have moved on from the days of Gordon and the days of what they... You know, did in this latest movie because I don't want to think that the whole industry is riddled with everyone taking drugs to keep awake and you know and you know and right, let's get into exhausted. It. Yeah, you you have four restaurants mm. now, don't you? Mm. So you've got three Murano cafes and Murano itself. Yeah. yeah, you must employ quite a significant number of people. Yeah, over a hundred, I'd say now. Yeah, and is it certain that? People are coping with the hours and the time in the kitchen? They're definitely coping better than they ever would have done because I'm so insistent that they actually have a normal working life. Oh, look, so... Yeah. Neil, you tell us what we've got. Yeah. Okay, you have a lovely English asparagus, best in Europe. And then lovely. Sauce, sauce mousseline. I'm going to give... Oyster. More French sauce if you, if you tried. And then yeah. uh, chicken liver. Thank you. Maybe a little 10-15 minutes. Yeah, brilliant. We'll probably need it. Yeah. All right. When you were there in part of that wrecking crew, yeah, which is, you know, the polite term for mm. a, a brigade that basically yeah. decided it was ruling London. Did you, <laughs> oh, come on. You did think that. You must have all, you basically thought you were. You know, one of the funniest things I ever heard was Steve Terry opened the Atlantic bar with Oliver Payton at the time. And we were all, and that was my, I was like, oh, this is exciting. You're invited to a free dinner. So the Atlantic Bar yeah. is on the site of what is now Zadell. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it was amazing when it opened because nobody yeah. had done something as big and as booming. It was just fantastic. And we were invited to the soft opening. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, free dinner, blah, blah, blah. So we go along and everything. And I remember taking some friends with me. And they turned around and said, do you work at the Homership? I said, yeah. They said, oh, we hear it's like Vietnam. <laughs> And I went back in on Monday morning thinking that was the funniest thing ever. And I start telling Gordon. And Marcus is looking at me. As Marcus Yeah, will she shut up? Why is she trying to wind him up so early on? 
And Gordon's going, and he goes, why are you laughing? I said, because I just think it's funny that everyone thinks this is like some crazy sort of kitchen. But it was. I mean, Jason Atherton, who's Pollen Street, will tell you now, to this day, he would come practically every week. And he'd always come after services and eat there at 10 o'clock and then order a tasting menu. Because, you know, it was. Chefs wanted to go there. And, you know, it was a great restaurant and Gordon was cooking. Hang, hang on a second. Atherton comes in at 10 o'clock. You're, pra- you're practically working towards the clean down at that yeah. point, aren't you? Never <laughs> forgiven him for that. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. In 2003, you took over the Connor. Yeah. Because at that point, Gordon was, rather than letting any of you go, he was placing you all in restaurants. Mm. So Marcus, after L'Oranger, had Petrus. Yeah. Uh, Afton would have Mays. Mark Sargent would have Claridge's. You go into, Connor, into mm. the Connor. People were livid. Mm. Yeah. This is probably the foodiest out to lunch yeah. we've ever done, but that's fair enough. The Connor was a bastion of classical French cooking under yeah. a chef called Michel Bourdin. Yeah. Dirk Bogart was a regular. Stephen Fry, I think, wrote a piece bemoaning know, was, your arrival. He was very upset. You mm. were the Visigoths coming over. You were you were the forces of yeah. gross, crass yeah. commercialism. Did it, did it impact upon you? Were you aware of it? I was aware of it. And we soon realised, actually, let's not be too cocky about it all. Because we did go in and try and be a bit modern. And actually, there was some clientele that just wanted a plate of smoked salmon, a Dover sole. So we did it. Around that time, obviously, Gordon is starting to get his TV career. Yeah. And you're starting to turn up slightly in the background of those shoots. <laughs> the F word and things like mm. that. And Hell's Kitchen, you'd yeah. be part of the mm. the team. Mm. I can't imagine that a public profile was part of your plan or ambition when you started. No, it wasn't. Hell's Kitchen was the thing that did it. Do you want to explain what Hell's Kitchen was? So it was an ITV show with celebrities. They were in an apartment where they all lived together, two teams... And it was basically a cooking show. It was an early yeah. reality. Yeah, exactly. But you had Al Murray in there. You had James Nesbitt. Anyway, there's lots of different people in it. And it was good fun. And Gordon was on fire as the host and all the rest of it, you know. And I would run one team, Assad would run the other. And at the time, I was like, I don't want to do this. But I was getting too... In, not involved in the Connor, that's wrong to say, but it was becoming too much pressure at the time. I think we were short-staffed and I was really feeling it. But actually, the best thing I did was go away for two weeks to film this because then it gave me some perspective on the restaurant. Uh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Let, let's describe this. You're under too much pressure at one of the grandest restaurants yeah. in London and you decide that the yeah. solution to too much pressure yeah, is to end up on the biggest TV show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Great. It was fun. And I walked home every night because I only live around the corner, so it was easy. You know, I couldn't do anything about the restaurant, so things had to happen. And then all the staff step up. And that's the thing. And that's the one thing you learn over time. 
if you're there too much control in it, they're never going to step up. And actually, it's never a bad thing when someone leaves who's been there a long time because then the next lot comes through. But was there a point there where you thought, actually, there's something here that could also be a significant part of my working life? Or were you just there? You thought, well, that's two weeks. I'm away from the Connaught. You, you and I have the same philosophy. Never forget your day job. And my day job is running the restaurants and being a chef and cooking in there and working with my guys. TV's an added bonus and it helps without doubt. I'm not going to deny that. It helps put bums on seats. It helps sell books. It helps us everything. But it's not something I'd want to do full time and give up the restaurants. I'm sort of curious as to whether there was a very conscious decision at mm. any point that you recognised you brought something else to the table mm. because it was a very male macho world yeah the tv chef oh. particularly those from restaurant kitchen so we always had yeah. we had a collection of the domestic yeah so we had delia mm. you came and it was known from a restaurant background which yeah. was dominated by gary rhodes yeah uh, and then gordon and obviously mm. there'd been keith floyd yeah and then there's you and it's a very different proposition mm. i've never tried to be anything else on tv and i think that's what comes across and, and people always go into the restaurant and go, what's Angela like? Is she like, is she as nice as she's on TV? And they go, <laughs> no, no, she's no, horrible. No. And Laura goes, you know, she's a right painter. And they said, yeah, she's exactly the same person. There's no difference. What you see there is what you see here. Yeah. So I will, I'll stick to that. It's done me all right so far. Do you feel any responsibility to show to women watching that it doesn't have to be shouty and angry and yeah. well, I think we testosterone? All- yeah, I definitely, I do feel, um, uh, whether it's responsible or just to show everyone it's a different environment, you know, I don't think it needs to be like that. Kitchens don't need to be like that anymore. I don't think you need to work 24 hours a day anymore. And I think you can have a life. And it was Chris Galvin years ago. And I don't remember, sometimes you don't remember something you say. Another chef. Yeah, another has chef. Galvin at windows at yeah. the top of the Hilton and yeah, many other places. Yeah, there. great. Him and his brother, Jeff, been around for a while. He had, at the time, he had that great bistro in Baker Street. Galvin Bistro Deluxe. Yeah, and he had this woman who was a female chef. And then afterwards, he rang me up. He goes, oh, thanks, Angela, so much. I said, what are you thanking me for? And I'd, I'd done an article. And in the article, I'd said, just because I'm a woman and I'm a chef, it doesn't mean you don't have a life. I said, I go and get my hair done. I'll go and have a facial. I'll go out with my mates. I'll do, you know, I'd still, you just, all you do is plan a bit more. And that's nothing to do with being a woman. That's just because you're on shift patterns you know and friends of mine have said oh you have a better social life than me but you work more hours I said that's because if I don't make a plan who's going to want to suddenly when I go away suddenly I'm off Saturday night let's do something I said you plan a bit and his head chef at the time had read it and sort of came away quite inspired that actually I can be a head chef it doesn't mean I said yeah you just got to make that decision to yourself and you know I did a dinner last night with Rav Gill who's a fantastic pastry writer and is on Junior Bake Off and we, she goes, you always inspired me. And I, I, I'm very flattered if anyone says that. But I think it's because people sometimes always put me in that, she's worked for Gordon, she's worked with Marcus, they're all going to be... Rah, 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 rah. And then when people see me and know me, they know I'm not. You know, and I'm just like, at the end of the day, it is an asparagus. Let's keep it in perspective. Oh, oh Neil's back. Mm-hmm. Pork chop with... Is that choucroute underneath? or a lovely... Oh, can you explain what aligo yeah. is? Aligo <laughs> is a so mashed mashed potato uh, with to, tom fresh cheese in it. Mm. So the tom fresh cheese is uh, when they introduce the rennet into the milk in uh, the Auvergne region, and it's, uh, it gives a lovely stringiness, kind of uh, tanginess. Traditionally, it was made in uh, the crofts. The cheese would be made by different uh, farmers, and now it's made by the crofts. Yeah. 
And if you had to put calorie counts on your menu... It would be absolutely... Uh, screwed. <laughs> this is proper old-school butter food. Thank which you. is good. I know. Thank you very much. There's a spoon here, so can I just see if yeah. it... There you go. Yeah. It makes strings. Let me Thank you, Joe. Serve you. Well, it's almost a quenelle. Yeah. Is it... Uh, should we say coincidental that you are married to a chef? <laughs> I don't think it was no choice. How did you and Neil meet? We met at the Connaughts. My brother always laughs, goes, yeah, what went on in that kitchen? I said, nothing, thank you very much. It was all very above board. <laughs> the cold store's yeah, very exactly, uncomfortable. Yeah. The walk-ins are not yeah. conducive. It was all very above board until he came. He went off to France then to work for Sophie Am and Sophie Pick. He went to work for Michel Brass. So he worked for some big shop names in France. And I used to go and see him whenever he was out there. And then when he came back to London, we sort of got together when he started working for Phil Howard at the Square. Um, and, yeah, so we've always been great friends. I've known Neil for about 25 years. And I suppose the last 10 years or whatever is when we all got together. One of the curious things, I think, about, about you, <laughs> you started from a very much a classical cooking background. Mm. But it's not actually what I associate you with. Mm. But I don't think of you as very much a high-end no, cook, I'm even not. though you've done it. Yeah. What I want to eat at home and what I when I just want to go out and chill out with friends and stuff is this sort of food, without doubt. You've got a new book out. <laughs> What's interesting about your book, it's called The Weekend Cook, mm. is you've you've based it around your relationship with your neighbours. Mm. You've lived in Shoreditch for quite yeah. a while, haven't you? How long have you been there? Oh, nearly 20 years now. You know, we've got a great community, we've got lovely people there, good neighbours, and I'm at home, what should we eat? And then if we've got friends or neighbours who are free, we'll say, just come over. So Sunday is the day that I sort of think. And we have a great landlady, Sandra, that if she's around, we'll always invite her. And then even if she's not, Neil would just take her a plate of food over and she has it, you know, and she loves it. When you say landlady, do you mean the local pub? Or? Mm, mm. And I always laugh and she always says, you're a brilliant chef, Ange. And then she goes, he's all right. <laughs> Pointing at Neil. The, the whole cookbook, well, this is not your first cookbook, no. it has to be said. How many have you done now? This is the third. It's quite competitive out there, isn't it? It's madness. I don't know how people churn them out so easily. Well, maybe I do. Uh, do you know how they churn them yeah, out, probably, particular people? Yeah, probably some do it rather badly. But no, because I did write all the recipes. Yeah, I've taken... There's a few recipes that, like, I've, Val, I've done a recipe with... Val he's Warner. Done, yeah, Valentine Warner. Um, you know, Alice Waters does this amazing... You know, so lots of things I've cooked at home, but I've always named who it's inspired by and... Um, and, um, but that's the point of the book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but so I just don't get how that people can be, you know, every six months to, you know, it's like, oh my god, it takes me forever. But you do write them yourself. I do, so you can blame me for everything yeah, when enough. it doesn't work. Because not everybody does, you mm. know. I'm, we're not getting into that, Jay. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to get me in so much trouble today. <laughs> how long do you want to do this for? Um, another four or five years. Oh, you, you really thought it through? Oh, yeah. The end game is, and I'm absolutely honest about this, I want to end up by the sea, probably Kent, and have a little restaurant there. And cooking it or not? No. Nah, Neil can do the cooking. I'll just do a bit of, you know. Swanning around. Uh, would you like that? Salt and pepper with that? Can I write a bit like Forty Towers? That would suit me. And it's not about having tons of money. It's about quality of life. Neil, we're getting quite full, to be fair. Yeah. I, I rarely say... I'm almost defeated. Can do the dessert thing, yeah. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a few Madeleines, perfect. Thank you. Mm. 
What's excited you that you've experienced recently in this country? What food wise? Wow. Oh, that's an interesting one. Actually. Where have you been? Um, I do love Thomas Parry at Brat. I do. I like Brat. So well, what he actually, does is he cooks over live fire and he does yeah. whole turbots and things like yeah, that. Yeah, Clipstone Arch actually more so than Brat. And I, I think, would agree actually. I think it's because I like the environment. Just sitting in this big archway, you know. And, and, and yeah. it should be said that shows uh, real commitment because uh, the original Brat in Shoreditch mm. is literally within walking distance yeah, of yeah, your house, yeah. whereas oh, Clipstone yeah. Arch is a schlep. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you where I've had a great, and if you haven't been there, you need to go down to Margate. So Margate, you've got Sagossa there, which is Ed um, Wilson from Braun. You've got Angela's, which, and they've got also a sister essence called John Dory. Gizzy's just opened there. And it's a really lovely, great little food scene. And what's great is there's still the mad English sort of seaside of Margate with Dreamland and all the arcades and everything. And then you've got these lovely little pop-up restaurants there. The Folkestone Wine Company is another place down in Folkestone. I'm, I'm quite like, I'm loving the, you could do that, you're Brixton. We live east, so we can get on that line really quickly and be out of London. And we went, we go down to Folkestone, go and have dinner and come back for the evening. And I tell you what you would love when you walked in there, and I said it to Robin. One, he can make probably one of the best creme brulees, I think, in the UK. It's phenomenal. Well, that's almost a competition, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it should be an yeah, Olympic yeah. sport. It's tart to tans, brilliant. But we went there one time, and it had Robert Carrier's terrine as a dish on there, which I just love the idea of saying this is Robert Carrier's terrine. So Robert Carrier was yeah. the great post-war. Well, he was yeah. American, but he was here yeah. for... Ooh the last 40 years yeah. of his life and his book great dishes of the world yeah. is one of the original bibles there you it? go so, so i sort of think yeah i think you'd like it actually james go down there one night that's one of yeah. the big changes isn't yeah. it the availability of interesting food yeah. in almost every town yeah so neil yes you have you've stepped out of the kitchen to sit next to your wife uh, what's what's this that you brought us this is just a lovely uh Eccles cake from uh orford <laughs> in Suffolk. Oh, uh, really? Uh, from, from the uh, Pump Street Bakery. Pump Street Bakery, I know it well. Yeah, it's just so well ex executed. And then just some Gruyere uh, cheese, because that's the only hard cheese we have in the building. Well. <laughs> because it actually should be Lancashire, but yeah. it should be got any. Gruyere. And, it's <laughs> and an Eccles cake, for anybody who doesn't know, should be, it, it, I mean, I'm a, I don't know, do they make it with animal fat or not? Because the real ones should have lard in them. I bet they don't. Yeah, it is 2022. Know, but, but they are I think having, having worked at Pump Street Bakery for a couple of weeks, it's uh, current sultanas, raisins. Mm. Uh, and they apparently leave Armiac these macerate for like 30 days or something. Yeah, yeah, it's just left under yeah, the, with the, the butter vents sort of thing. And it's so good. It also ought to be said that there is a nice little linkage here because I think it's fair to say the Eccles cake was brought back into the public Imagination by Fergus Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah He yeah, still no, has no. it on the menu at yeah. St. John. Yeah. And he mm. came to prominence cooking mm. here with Margot. Mm. What is it like when you, Neil Borthwick, and you, Angela Hartner, husband and wife, are in the kitchen together? A recipe for a domestic, if ever there was one, so we tend to, it's either one or the other. But it's got to be said that there is a similarity here in your mm. careers because. And Sophie Peake. And where else did you... Who else Michelle. did you... Michelle Bra. Michelle Bra. I mean, these are two right at the top of high gastronomy brigades of what? 25, 30 chefs and are yeah, supported think, by a bunch of stagiaires not being paid. Was, yeah, yeah, there was seven in the large Maison Peak. Seven? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, four of them were useless, though. <laughs> 
And how, how is it cooking for Angela Hartnett? Or does she just get what she's given? She's got an annoying way of kind of uh, always being always being right. Oh, look. I, I do have, have to say, I think this is one of the perfect desserts. Oh, Josh, they look amazing. <laughs> so the Madeleine have arrived. Thank you, Josh. Well, as the Madeleines have arrived, freshly baked, and you can just smell them straight from the oven, um, mm. I'm going to say, Angela Hartnett, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Pleasure. And Neil Borthwick, thank you very much for cooking it. A pleasure, <laughs> a pleasure. I'm getting in. What's the... What's the... Lemon curd. Oh, right, I'm, 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 I'm here for it. We should do it again. Shall we? Let's go to Folkestone. I'll take you down to Folkestone. Right, Thank you so much to Angela and Neil and everyone at the French House in Soho. The food was fantastic. Um, Angela's new book is The Weekend Cook, Good Food for Real Life, available now at all good booksellers. If you love the show, please do follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share this with a grateful world. You can comment, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. All of it helps us to make more. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged, and performed by me, Jay Rayner, and Robert Rick. The recording engineer was Josh Gibbs and the mix engineer Gulliver Tickle. Assistant producers are Anya Das and Bethany Hocken. The producer is Selena Ream and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Next time, it's the fabulous comedian Sindhu V. In India, I died on stage 300 people telling me to fuck off back where you came from. I'm like, what? I'm literally from this city. (laughs) 